Okay, so let's get to it. It only took us 20-something minutes to get to the meat of this podcast. State of the Patriots, you posted it on WEEI. We're actually going to kind of blend two bi-week stories you have there. You graded each position group. Um, Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert, if you were a parent, you'd be upset about a lot of the grading. You'd be having conversations with your child about a lot of things. Um, To start with- would be coming. What's that? Detention would be coming oh, for whoever's grounding detention. There'd be a lot, yeah. you know, lots of conference, parent-teacher conferences, lots of different things oh, yeah. going on. So the Patriots are two and eight. The Patriots currently, I believe this is still true, have the third pick slotted for next year's NFL yep. draft, which some of us are excited about. That could make for an interesting winter and lead up to April's draft. The Patriots stink. The Patriots are the worst team in the AFC. We just talked about it. Are looking for a quarterback, a coach, a GM. They're look. They're trying to pull off something that I'm not sure too many teams have done successfully. I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, Houston's really good. That's what you want to do." Yeah, Houston's been bad for five years. They've been the right. stock of the NFL. This has not really been a quick turnaround, even though it feels like it this year. So, you take this is your blog posting. Tell me where you want to take this sort of midseason assessment of the Patriots. Sure. So. To call it a little little bit of inside baseball here and how this whole thing started last year when I was reporting on the Patriots and they were like five and four at the bye week, I think. And so I was like, all right, let's and it was also right around election season. So I was like, all right, bring in the bring in the politics, state of the Patriots. Let's figure out where this team is at and where they can go moving forward. So I broke it down into, you know, the AFC standings and the AFC playoff picture. And then I went into where the quarterback situation is at. And then I did a nice old SWOT analysis because I used to, before I was in the reporting business, I used to work in communications and you're always talking about strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, all that good stuff. So I turned it into football. So I went with that. And so when I did it last year, it was, you know, it was interesting and it was fun to be like, all right, this is where they're at in the AFC and this is how they get to the playoffs. And then when I'm writing it this year, I'm like, oh, the AFC East, they're in the bottom, the AFC, they're in the bottom. So let's just talk about the strengths and the weaknesses and kind of where they can build moving forward. So you kind of already mentioned it right there, Andy, at the top, where they're at the bottom of the AFC East, they're at the bottom of the AFC, and right now they have the third pick overall in the 2024 NFL Draft if the season ended today. So I guess if we want to, we can start there, and then we can go into the the SWOT analysis after because, look, if they have the third overall pick, they're going to have – they will have the option of a Caleb Williams – a Marvin Harrison Jr. or a Drake May. I think you need to have a top three pick in this draft. And I know it's only November, and I know we haven't gone through the combine. We don't have even the end of the college football season. But right now, those three feel like the three slam dunk picks uh, in this draft class. And so I look at it and I think, okay, if for whatever reason, one of the quarterbacks falls to three, you have to take one of those guys. I think it, it makes the most sense. We, we've talked about it as much as I've been a fan of Mac Jones, as much as I think he was more so has been a product of his environment here than he has been just a bad quarterback. It's over. It's done. You broke him. It doesn't really matter how we got here. It's over for him here. So take one of the quarterbacks. If you don't get your hands on the quarterback, you got to go with Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't want the tackle. I'm sorry. If you're at third, I don't want the tackle. And I know that's sort of, I guess, hypocritical of me because I've sat here and said that they ruined Mac because of the poor line play and his internal clock sped up, yada, yada. But you need that that number one wide receiver more than anything. You need it in the NFL nowadays. 
um, and you need it for whatever quarterback you might have next season to try and uh, get them on more track. So um, I guess that's sort of where we're at with the NFL draft order, um, number three overall, and you can get your hands on one of those guys. So we, we can start there. Okay, so let's start there because you're right. I know um, some button pushing has been happening in, in the click-worthy internet where – uh, Alt or the other tackle out of Penn State. I'm yeah, not... Fasano or Fashanu or yeah, whatever. Fashanu. Yeah. Um, I am just, I could not be more against that because I think it's dated, flawed thinking that wasn't even great when it was a more popular theory. Um, Fisher went to the Chiefs, was not mm. a franchise changer. Jake Long went to the Dolphins, was not a franchise changer. We are in an era where the wide receiver position has become massively impactful on these teams. We're also in an era where to get a quarterback, I mean, I know there's been the Russell Wilsons, like those things, but you still need to draft a quarterback for the most part to get an elite quarterback. There aren't a ton of them available each year. And the same is true for wide receivers. These trades have been, so you have to trade something. Devontae Adams, yes, he was traded. You traded massive haul and then handed him massive money. Like you're, it's a double dip into your resources. Whereas right. tackle is still a position where you can just sign somebody. You can just sign a guy for $80 million with your cap space and fill mm -hmm. that void. You can't really do that with wide receivers. So quarterback and wide receiver to me have become the two most premium properties in the National Football League. I think contracts show that where the wide receiver contracts are catching up kind of all mm -hmm. those other big deals. So yeah, if it's, if you're at three, which is obviously our hope to be as high as possible, because this will be the most fun for us leading up to the draft and into the draft. Yep. If you're at three, there's three guys that are going to get drafted in that range. In my opinion, it's Caleb Williams, Drake May and Marvin Harrison Jr. And you take the one that's available to you right now. The thing that would get really interesting is Drake May, Marvin Harrison Jr. Let's just say they're both on the board at three because somebody fell in love with the tackle at two or I don't know, maybe or or maybe Chicago ends up with one and two and takes mm -hmm. they're not going to take two quarterbacks because, right. well, then they would have three franchise quarterbacks technically if they took yeah. two more, um, but they could really change it if they have that Carolina pick and their own pick in the top two which isn't where it is now, but I'm just saying if that's how it played out, um, that's a wild card here. If they if they want to go with Fields, if Justin Fields rips it up these next seven games, they still lose. This is this is very, very hypothetical, but they could go Marvin Harrison Jr. number one and a tackle at two, and then you still have the, the pick right. of the litter at both quarterbacks. My guess yeah. is that in that situation, they would trade the number one pick True. for somebody who wants Caleb Williams. Fair. And that, and then they add future first round picks, and and you're right. If if they believe Fields is still a franchise QB, that's what they should do because they have right. the opportunity to take one guy, trade the other pick into multiple first round picks, and keep just stacking your roster with top five picks potentially moving forward. Yeah. But from a Patriots perspective, yeah, it's Marvin Harrison Jr. or a quarterback. Like I don't mm -hmm. now if they have the fourth pick the fifth pick the sixth pick as you start to like take the tackle at that point then i might be open to the tackle i still don't love it because now i'm still like wait a minute okay i got a tackle i i am the firm believer that offensive line okay this is going to be a weird comment because we've seen offenses being ruined this year by bad offensive lines 
but I still think it's overrated because I still go back to if you have the 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 pieces of skill players that are right, I think they mm-hmm. can overcome the offensive line. Because I go back to consecutive years, I listen to the Super Bowl where they tell me, oh, the Chiefs have a terrible offensive line, and that's why they lost. Yeah, but they're in the Super Bowl. They're losing in <laughs> yeah, the right. Super Bowl. And the right. same thing with the Bengals. Yep. They have a terrible offensive line. That's why they lost. They got to go fix that. In the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, right. They got all the way to the freaking right. Super Bowl. Yeah. So, and, and I still am waiting for somebody to be like, huh, that team, their receivers aren't that good and their quarterback aren't that good, but their line is why they're in the Super Bowl. No one goes to the Super Bowl because right. your line is good. Like, get the... What is it, 1941, and you're just going to line up in three yards in a cloud? Get the hell out of here. It's very important to have consistency up front, and it's very important to have like a decent scheme and a good coach to be able to coach it up and give your quarterback and running backs a chance. But you're right. I think the the system and the schematics of the offensive line is more important than the actual players along the front. And you need competency in the play. Correct, but yes. I... I and maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe I have dated thinking here, but like the days of getting Matt Light in the second round or getting Sebastian Vollmer in the second round and Joe Tooney in the fourth round. Right. Like if you get the right guy, I think you're, whereas, and, and I know people will say, well, yeah, DK Metcalf went and Debo Samuel, like you can do the same thing at every position. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The Patriots can't. Yeah. I, they, they can't. They've right. proven that when they take those guys in the second round, the third round, they all suck. Now, to yep. be fair, they took one in the first round, and he sucked too. So mm-hmm. maybe – I don't know. I just, This is why we're here, and this is why we need a reset, because they can't freaking draft. Right, and that's the bigger problem. But So I am very simply months away from it. Take the quarterback first or Marvin Harrison, mm-hmm. and then if you take Marvin Harrison, you're still talking about the quarterback in the second round, late yeah. first, finding that other guy. Um, okay, so Patriots – Let's cross our fingers that they lose to the Giants and they continue mm-hmm. to lose. So they end up with a top three pick so they can get one of the three best players in the draft and we can all be excited on April 20, whatever date that is, and have a party. Yep. Like it. All right. Let's move on to the SWAT. Strengths. First of all, I need to tell people uh, I'm not familiar with SWAT. I'm, I This was new to me. I'm not, okay. you know, there's a SWAT team with the police. That's a different thing. Um, so SWAT. So it's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats threats okay yeah it's like a a, pr thing so this is how i think if i have a pr problem i gotta look think about my swat situation right off the bat okay good to know yep so um instead of going into everything in detail let's just go and i'll give you what i said for strengths if you disagree agree and give me anything else weaknesses we'll go through that way so the strengths of the patriots currently i have one christian gonzalez and two nfl prominence because i think that Gonzalez, you have um, a fringe CB1, I think a guy who is truly franchise changing. I know we only saw three games of him, but he was awesome. He was one of the better cornerbacks in the entire sport. Um, And that's something you can build around. I think that's really the only locked in piece you need to keep for the future. Anything else really, I think is take it or leave it. Uh, NFL Providence, I say because this is how they got here is what like they got here and now they're here and they are prominent in the NFL. So I think that that is one of the things that will make ownership really want to turn this thing around because, you know, they just had the game in Germany and Robert Kraft took one of his home games away to make it global. And he wants the Patriots to be prominent in the NFL and they want to stay there. 
if they continue to lose like this, they're not going to be prone in the NFL anymore. So I think ownership wants to keep them there. So that's really all I have for strengths of this team right now. I don't think they have much. I mean, you could argue a guy like Christian Barmore um, or like, yeah, that's really it. Like what are the strengths of this team outside of their prominent thing in the NFL? And then Christian Gonzalez. Yeah, I think it's relatively fair. Uh, it's it's also sobering to some degree to say, wait, we have one player. We only have one player that we would consider. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's accurate. If you're going to say, now Barmore would like to enter the chat, as the kids would say, I think he's played better <laughs> of you late. pulling that out. Let's go. Yeah, you know, you do enough <laughs> with Fitzy, you get these uh, yeah, weird fair. lines. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, because I think he's good. Yeah. I always thought he was going to be really good. He might really be really good, but is he really a transformational? Like, I don't put him on the level. Christian Gonzalez, I think, could be one of the top five corners in football. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that is a legitimate possibility. Do I think Christian Barmore is Quinn and Williams? Like, a guy that can just dominate, can be a defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald, like, right. whoever those guys are in the middle of a defense – not really. Like, I think he's probably that second tier, like really good, but I don't know if he makes you special. So I think it's probably fair to just say that. And then there's others like Ramondre Stevenson. Man, yeah. But that's playing. again, that's a, that's a running back that I, I like. I know you love Ramondre and I do yep. too. I think he's great, but take it or leave it interchange draft one. See you later. We've, we were probably saying similar things about Damian Harris at his point in this, in his career with the Patriots. Yeah. I like Stevenson more catches the ball too, more, but, and, but they're two and eight. He's been healthy all year. He has not been a difference maker for the right. positive for the most part. I mean, he ran really well last week against the Colts. I thought it was the closest thing to getting like classic Ramondre running people over like, but it is what it is. You still lost. You still scored six points. You right. still, so I, I I think you are very fair in your assessment. Um, and then the second part, the prominence, you're right. We we talk about this in relation to national media members, national TV broad, the way they treat the Patriots, the way mm -hmm. they talk about. They still have the shine of those six Super Bowl trophies in their eyes, like blinding them to some of the failures and the faults that have been here for three plus years now. And they're right. just finally noticing it because it's going to get ugly. It's going to get blown up. Um, so I do think they have that, how long you can retain that. I don't know. Like I've said this before, you don't want to become the Raiders that are, you know, one of their slogans was the team of the decades. And you're like, what decades were that? Right. Like 70 and 80 We're yeah. we're well removed from that, buddy. Um, you don't want to be a bears team that when you go to soldier field, the most popular jerseys are Walter Payton and Mike Singletary, you, mm -hmm. and, and you're tiptoeing in that direction. Now, Again, I'm being dramatic. You know, it's only four years post Tom Brady, but you need to you need to stop digging and start digging out of the hole right. you're in. And to combine these two things, my classic jersey test. If you're a parent, Christmas is coming. Which jerseys yep. are you going to consider buying for your son? Gonzo. That's it. That's it. And that's that's alarming for a team that you used to have to pick between Brady and Gronk and Edelman and Brewski. Like there were a lot of options that you'd yeah. be very confident buying saying, yep, that guy's good. I like I'm that. Gonna, the Jersey test. It it's classic for me to take, cause you know, all these sites do like players under the age of 25 and stars and this and that to me, it's just, who would you put $130 down right now? If you're buying your son, your nephew, whoever a Jersey and feel like 
confident that it was right. a good present. There's no, it's, it's Gonzo and Gonzo has the weird thing. I still think he's going to be number zero at some point. Yeah. So his Jersey might be out of date. Even if you buy that one, if they, if they change out the coach, he is absolutely going to number zero. next. hundred percent. So yep. they don't have a single Jersey you can buy for Christmas. Pop zero. Demario. Um, maybe. I feel like that's one you feel good about when you get it, and then later you're like, I can't believe I got caught up in the moment. <laughs> I still, and as much as I like him, I still don't really put him as a strength of this team yet. Like, at the end of the day, he's still a sixth-round pick out of Liberty, and I know he's outperforming that, and I get it, but, like, the fact that that's what we're talking about says all you need to know about the wide receiver room, which is one of my weaknesses, which we'll get to right now. Weaknesses of this team, Andy, I say it's the offensive line. Every the wide receiver. Yeah, offensive line, wide receiver room, head coach, which I read my State of the Union last year, and he was one of my strengths in the last sentence. It was like, Bill Belichick Sucker. will never be a weakness of this team, and I wrote Sucker. it. Yeah, and so it, it's crazy, but that's where we are. And whether it's as a general manager or as a coach, he is a weakness of this team. And I didn't write this, but I thought about it as we were talking. Aging leadership is one of their weaknesses. Because Matthew Slater's there saying the right things. David Andrews is there saying the right things. Bill Belichick is there trying to say the right things. When you're losing, it's not getting through to anyone. What they say, I don't think really matters anymore as a Patriot way. This is how we do things. Because we're losing and it's not working. And so they need to change it out, have new leadership, and have a new voice in the room. I think that's what it comes down to here. So aging leadership is one of my other weaknesses. Offensive line, wide receiver, head coach, and aging leadership. Aging leadership has been a concern for me for a few years because the the guys we just talked about, none of you don't have any pillars. You right. don't have any pillars. Like Christian Gonzalez is not ready to be a pillar. That's not really fair to him. He's played three and a half games. And that's back. not who he is. He's not right. a he's not a talker. So and they don't have any of those guys. And I think if any one of these guys was more of that, it, if I were their agents, I'd be telling them to pretend. Like Kyle Duggar, you need to be more of a voice. I, mm. I think you could make money because I think they're so desperate for like a third to sixth year type player to be a leader moving forward to build around mm -hmm. that if you were that guy, it might actually earn you a contract right now. They yeah. might out of desperation have to sign you and say, this is our pillar to build we need around. You around. Yeah. Duggar isn't really that guy off the field. Nope. Barmore's not that guy off the field. Stevenson, I don't, he talks a lot. Like he's at the podium, but I'm not sure he's that guy. Like, like vocal type. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like Jabril Peppers, I like too for that. But, right. But I he's like a weird, like older, like mercenary kind of brought in from elsewhere. Right. I don't. I'm trying to think, and even the linemen on when who's not that. I feel like any of that core group of guys that are like free agents to be in the next year or year plus, none of them is the Devin McCourty, Matthew Slater. Like, right. I play great. I also talk great. I'm the total package of a leader. And I think that's a problem. I really do. I, I think that's a problem for the, the direction of this team in the Patriot mm -hmm. way. Um, as far as the Belichick thing, like he'll never be a weakness. I think you were blinded by history I last was. year. Yeah. I think he's been a weakness for a couple of years now. Um, and when you say weaknesses, like it is kind of everything. I, I talked yeah. about it earlier. Quarterback, GM, and coach in all likelihood are going to be changed this year. Mm -hmm. That's massive. Like yeah. 
you don't successfully do. Usually when there's a quick turnaround, some one of those or two of those is changed. Like maybe you have a great coach and a great GM and they finally find the quarterback, or maybe you have the quarterback and they get rid of the boob of a coach. Like right. replacing all three of those in one off season and expecting it to be like worst to first. This is the NFL. Anything can happen. You can go from the outhouse to the penthouse. I, I mean, sure. I, I guess there's probably examples. I, I probably should research this before I talk too openly about it. But No, but you're not wrong. I mean, the fact that you can't think of one is, tells the story. Yeah, like, yeah. okay, Brady arrives. We needed the quarterback. He showed us how to win. We had the GM. We had the coach. We had the ta- whatever. Like, Belichick could arrive with the Chargers. Oh, we had the quarterback. We had the GM who put together a pretty good overall yeah. roster. We just needed the coach. You need all three? You, excuse me? Like, that's not – that's tough to do even with – a top five pick, even with cap money, even with a smart owner. Right. And so I, I think, I think the whole damn thing is a weakness beyond again, I, Christian Gonzalez, you nailed it. Christian Gonzalez and the logo, like the history. Yeah. Make sure literally. when you put the logo, use, you know how they have a logo. That's the, the Elvis, but it has the six trophies behind it. Yeah. I would use that on every piece of oh, yeah. promotional material. Like, remind people we're still the Patriots. We yep. still have a lot of trophies. Like, we're still the crafts kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think weaknesses. Yeah, pretty whole- much everything. Like, I even – I didn't write quarterback, but, like, realistically, I should have. Like, you could talk about the special teams unit. You could talk everything. about – Yeah, so – I mean, I guess you could. They got a good punter. I like Bryce Barron. Yeah, so do I. Yep. If you start doing promotional work based on your punter, it tells you how bad you are. Because remember, we used to mock teams that Belichick would start his Wednesday Wednesday press conference saying, um, "Johnny Hecker is a oh, weapon yeah. for them. They got some of the best kicks." And that means he thinks you stink as a team when he yeah. points out your punter as the first talking point. So the fact that we're talking about the punter as one week of one week one next year Gillette Stadium is going to be filled with Christian Gonzalez and Bryce Barringer jerseys no kidding it's yeah. okay so now what's uh what's opportunities. the opportunities opportunities actually i can be positive about this portion i wrote two of them one of them was the high draft pick is an opportunity to succeed absolutely don't screw uh, that up, by the way, by like winning a few games and getting mm-hmm. it down to ten or twelve. Right. And the second one was now you have time to play the youngins. So you get to see what you have in Marte Mapu, Keishon Booty, Taekwon Thornton, uh, Antonio Mafi, Keon White, uh, even Demario Douglas. I'd argue that Demario Douglas, you know what you have, and you can sit him down for the rest of the season because, like, you know, you don't want to get him hurt. You don't want want him to tear an ACL like Kendrick Bourne did. That kid can play. Um, but there's enough time, and you, you're not going anywhere. The wins and losses don't really matter. So let Mapu play every snap at the safety. Throw him in at linebacker. See what you got in this dual threat beast of a defender that everybody, including myself, thought was going to change the game for the Patriots. Um, Keon White, let him rush off the edge, especially with uh, Uche in a contract year and Judon out for probably the season. I don't see him coming back. Kayshawn Booty, Taekwon Thornton, throw them out there on offense and see if you can build around them next year or if you need to cut your losses and say, Taekwon, you're a bust, and Kayshawn, you were a six-round pick for a reason. So there's opportunities to look at what you have on the young side of the roster. And then the draft pick, I think that's that's a major opportunity to completely overhaul and change the franchise. I also look at the Belichick trade as an opportunity in that because if you can get a second first-round pick out of him, then you have the third pick. If the season ended today, you have the third pick. Call it the 20th pick if it's the Chargers. 
and the 35th pick with the second pick in the draft. That's three top 35 players. That's three more pillars if you get them right that you can build your team around. And that just, you know, upstarts and rejolts the the rebuild that much more. So those are my opportunities. I think you can see what you got in your young players and then the draft coming up. Yeah, I absolutely love the idea of a first round pick for um for Belichick. Belichick yeah. Especially if he goes to a mid like Dallas or the chargers like mm-hmm. they should be in the middle of the round like yep. i don't think you're getting some people have floated say carolina like is carolina i know they don't have their pick this year yeah. i don't think they're giving up their first round pick next year for bill I belichick no. um and i don't think he'd want them to because if i'm going there i want that pick sort of thing yeah but so um, that's the thing does he have say in that he does not have say like i think it's i a guess you could say that i don't want to go to that team yeah, he could not show up. He could do what Gronk did and just retire and yeah. avoid the trade. Um, but I also asked, and no one really, if Belichick legitimately has final say on all football matters at Gillette Stadium, couldn't he trade himself? Like, doesn't he get the say in the trade? Yeah, because that's a football matter until right. he's up until he's literally traded. So he, he's his own commodity. But that's a rabbit hole. I'm not sure we yeah. need to go down right now. Right. Um, so I would be looking for a first round pick. I think it's probably more realistic, a package of picks or picks and player yeah. kind of like a second, a fifth and, you know, some mid-level starting player or something you could, but I'm definitely, you want him. He's Bill Belichick. I can right internally. I can crap all over him and say he's lost his fastball and he's 71. You're, you're getting the greatest coach of all time. That's how I'm looking at it from a 100%. shipping him out of town um, view. Then the other thing, I, I love this. I started talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I blogged. I mean, one of my Sunday sevens was like, you. it's time to give these guys opportunities, figure yeah. out what you have, whether it's, I, I think the high-end guys, like Duggar, those guys who talk about leadership. How do you handle this? Are you a professional? Yeah. Are you all in? Do I want to pay you for that? Do you really show your character, the word that Matthew Slater used? Right. So I think that. But then the young guys, absolutely. And the guy that I think of first and foremost, is Tyquan Thornton because two weeks ago, Bill O'Brien was like, I really like this guy. All he needs is reps. He's been hurt. And since then he's got nothing but no reps. Like he hasn't played. He played one snap the other day. Right. So yeah. What do we do? Your offensive coordinator is telling me the guy got has talent, but just needs to run routes in NFL games, but you're not having him run routes in NFL games. He's that bad that he can't run a route in an NFL game in like a competitive situation. Like, so to me, he's the and post. you know what I think too. That one snap from Taekwon, that was only so Belichick could say we played every active player. It could because be. he always says if he's active, he's playing. It, if he didn't play, then they would have said, "Well, why didn't you inactivate him?" He said, "Well, he played," and so that's that's him posturing too. That's like him worrying else. about stupid stuff that he shouldn't be worrying about instead of actually like doing the right things in the best interest of the football team. But exactly, uh, I agree with you. Opportunity, figure out and. It's also an opportunity. It's a weird world here, but like the next guy who's running the Mm -hmm. team needs more information on Tyquan Thornton and Marte Mapu. Like he didn't draft him, so he never even liked him. He needs to figure out can, is this guy even somebody I want in the mix as I start to like reconfigure the roster? So yeah, absolutely. Right. All right. Threats. The threats that can continue to, uh, I guess cut this team down as we continue on here. Uh, other bad teams. Uh, I think that 
the race to the bottom is almost harder than the race to the top because you're rooting for bad teams to win football games in this tankathon that we're watching. So um, I guess that's a threat in its own right because, okay, we're, we're sitting here and say, well, we're so bad and we want them to lose to the Giants, but the Giants are stomping, starting Tommy freaking DeVito at quarterback this week, and he, he thinks just as much as Mac Jones and everybody else thinks. And so it's going to be a stink fest for the rest of the season. And if these teams can't muster up wins and the Patriots steal one again from Buffalo or something like that, then that's, that's a threat to your top draft pick. The final threat here, in my opinion, is Robert Kraft. Oh. What if he gets cold feet? And what if he looks back and says, you know, when he's mellowed out and not in the middle of watching his team get spanked in Germany, and when he sits back and he looks at everything, he says, okay, well, maybe we still give him one more chance. Maybe we still like Mac. Maybe I don't want to blow this thing up again. Maybe I don't want to hand it over to Jonathan yet. Maybe I just want to go status quo. So that's the other threat to me is him staying complacent and not wanting to let this thing that he's built for 20 years go. Um, he's not going to do something midseason. I think we know that. I think the final straw for that was this past Monday. This past Monday, spanked at the bye week in Germany. That would have been the time to part ways with Bill if they were going to do it midseason. Now, there's no like there's no chance they do it after these next seven games. Or within these next seven games. So once he sits back and there, I don't think it's going to be a black Monday firing either for him. So when he sits down and looks at it all, that's the other threat is, eh, it's not that bad. I still trust bill. You guys don't know what you're seeing on the outside. We know what's going on the inside. And he looks at all the goodwill and says, let's try it one more time. So that's the big threat for me is Robert Kraft getting cold feet. Yeah. That, um, to me, that would be the biggest threat of all, um, yeah. just wasting another year. Um, and you're right. You know, you fly back and you get a little further away because I think everybody used Robert's uh, big black puffy coat head hanging visual as like, oh, yeah. he's, he's realized now he has to do it. Like he knows what he has to do kind of thing. Yeah. But is it it's kind of like the Mac Belichick thing, like he emotionally benches Mac. Then does he get back here and realize like the other guys suck too. I got to put Mac back out there. I got nothing better than Mac to put like, does the emotion fade time heals all wounds kind of thing. And that would be the, in my opinion, you have to do it. You should have done it already. It's it's you already have wasted time. So I'm going to, I agree hundred percent with that. The other um, threat that I'm going to pose is sort of the mm -hmm. opposite of the, you are the Patriots is you could become the Browns you could yeah. um is sort of we want them to tank but I've always been told by the Mike Lombardi's of the world the fobs that like Bill will never tank and when you tank it it's like a, a cancer that spreads throughout your organization losing is contagious and so once you start losing sometimes you can't get out of the losing cycle right. that would be a threat like do you just continue to be what we mocked for years teams that can't find a quarterback can't find a coach can't find a gm you're turning it over every two to three years once you enter that once you're in that like clothes dryer and you're like you're tumbling around and you yeah. can't pull out of it that would be a threat to me even though the patriots have never really been that historically even when they like people point back to the early 90s well the early 90s took place between a trip to the Super Bowl in 1986 and a trip to the Super Bowl in 1996. So, right. You bottomed out, but only in a 
five-year kind of span, and then you were back. They've been great every decade. Every I say mm-hmm. this all the time. Like, even though we say the old days of the Patriots, like the 60s went to the AFL title game. The 70s, in the mid-70s, they were considered one of the best teams in football. It's it's crazy to a lot of people that they never made it to a Super Bowl. The 80s, you went to Super Bowl. The 90s, you went to Super Bowl. 2000s, you're a dynasty. So they've avoided the 10, 15, 20-year, oh, my, you know, the shirt wow. with all the yeah. quarterbacks on the back. They've avoided that. Right. There's always the threat that you get in that world and you become one of those teams. And it, that's a scary proposition to, to really say, like, that could happen where you were once the measuring stick for greatness. Could you fall into that mucky muck right. failure? But um, the Robert Kraft one is interesting. I don't, I don't fear it personally. I think he, I think there was a resignation in his face and reality. This has to happen. And I go back to, they all have these regrets. Red Arbuck always talked about, he kept the original big three together too long. He had a trade, I think for McHale that he turned down because he thought one more run with the big three would work and it didn't, they fell apart. They got hurt. Um, So I think there's always that hesitancy, but I think Robert has worked through that hesitancy for the last year two years and now realizes i want to win i'm 80 right i want to win i don't have a ton of time left in it if he were a little younger, and he probably wants to set up jonathan for success as well right so if he were a little younger and bill were a little younger and the things were different maybe one more year would be um right realistic but i think he's gonna pull the trigger i do i i, yeah, I think I so have faith i think and i do too and i that's how i wrapped up the state of the union is okay we're here it's not fake it's real this is where we sit there's something freeing and i said it yesterday on our mailbag episode that this might just be my my sick brain talking but there's something freeing about bottoming out bottoming out and not pretending and not thinking that oh maybe we can salvage this no it's done we need to reset it yep let's do it let's have fun with it let's me and you and Fitzy and everybody on the six rings and let's do mock drafts out the out the rear and let's talk about Caleb Williams and let's talk about the next head coach and let's write a million blog posts about five GM candidates and five OC because it's changing, so let's enjoy it. And that's kind of how I right. conclude where we are with the state of the Patriots. 